Welcome to the Grit and Grace space. Come along as we explore experiences, cultivate community, and grow our appetite for adventure. Here we go. Welcome back to the Grit and Grace space. Today, Alexander and I sit down with a dear friend, Cordy Phillips, who is home from her first few months at her first job where she moved from Columbus, Georgia to Kent State, Ohio as an RUF intern. We talk all about what an RUF intern is, what her journey has been like, not only as an intern, but the process of fundraising and navigating the journey of what comes next after college. Cordy is such a warm hug of a human. It is so lovely to get to spend time with her since she's moved away and catch up on all things. We're able to catch up like we never skipped a beat, but also there's just a tremendous amount of growth and it's so exciting to see Cordy spreading her wings and just being a light for others in her next season of life. So with that said, let's get to the good stuff. I think we're burning daylight. There is no daylight. It's time change. Yeah. What's your like vision like with the podcast? Like what is the goal of like each episode specifically? So it's predicated on Sonder, which mm-hmm. is like Everybody is experiencing something different than everybody else, even though it may be the same event, basically. Okay. And so, I think long-term, I would love to have conversations with people and and understand, like, how they, how their, like, perception of things have changed over time, or, Mm. like, a reflection of you know, looking back on maybe an experience they had and how it felt in the moment versus, you know, what their their takeaway is it is from it, like, years removed. Hey, this will be awesome to talk about when I'm done with the internship, but... Yeah, this will be <laughs> Like, where one. I am now and, like, where I am two to three years from now. Exactly. A year and a half to two and a half years from now. Who knows? Yeah. So, I don't know. I... I imagine it'll be a lot of, like, just talking to people about their lives and not anything really specific, but I think I just want to have interesting conversations with people. Yeah. And then tying in, like, the grit and grace aspect of it as well, because life is hard, Mm -hmm. and you can't, like, take it too seriously. Yeah. I, like, two months ago was in Columbus, Georgia, like, stringing tennis rackets, babysitting kids, and now I am in Ohio helping my roommate bathe chickens. My word. Okay. Oh, my word. I think... Should I give Cordy a proper introduction? Another thing we could do, if you wanted, because you always say it cuts out, we could have two mics, but set one at a lower gain than the other one. No, I don't want to do this two nights shenanigans. I have to get this edited over to Cordy so she can improve so I can post it tomorrow. This is the problem. It begins, like, this ridiculous time. Tomorrow? Let's do the intro. We'll leave this one rolling, and then if there's any parts that clip, because y'all are loud, we can use this as, like, the backup. Okay. You don't have to use it. Like, it's the gain is set lower. Right? Do you understand? I'm not an idiot. I have to ask. You're not giving me any verbal cues. Because you won't shut up. You nod. A nonverbal cue. Or it's just, like, 
dying. <laughs> I'm loving it. I listen to the podcast. I'm a fan. Long time listener, first time speaker. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> We're here today with the one and only Cordy Phillips. Goes by Gord- Cordu. Cordelia. Cordelia. Cody. What else? I'm trying to think. I got a, yeah, I got a Gordy. I've had, I've been prayed over in a church setting as Cody, Courtney, Corfu. Corfu? Uh, I got Corgi one time on a Starbucks <laughs> cup. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts. Yeah. So, Cordy is visiting home, her former home, during Thanksgiving break. Where was I going with this? She's visiting home. She's recently moved to... Kent State as a RUF intern, Reformed University Fellowship, and tell explain for the audience what that is. The ministry or the job? The ministry. Okay, RUF is a campus ministry that originally started in the South. Obviously, I do it in like Northeast Ohio now, but it's yeah, it's based off of Reformed theology. So we always say like. Uh, fixed theology, flexible methodology, as in like the way we do ministry can look a little different at every campus, just depending on like demographics and like what the campus needs and like how students connect. But you can have a variety of staff there. So every campus is going to have a campus minister who is an ordained like PCA pastor who's been to seminary and is there to like answer questions and help foster that community. So he'll lead like, like large groups and small groups. And then there's like supplementary staff you can have. So I'm an intern, so it's a two-year commitment where like a recent graduate from college will go to a campus assigned by RUF to help foster more fellowship between students and also like minister to them and meet them where they are. I love it. Alexander and I know of Cordy from small group at St. Andrews. You grew up in small group for the most part. When did you move back to Columbus? So I originally moved to Columbus when I was 12 years old. My dad was military. And then I went away my first semester of college and then came back after my first semester of college. I went to Georgia College for like a semester in 2020. Not the ideal time to start college. No. And then I went to Columbus State, which is the local university, um, for the next two and a half years of college and graduated there. So we've been in small group with you since you moved back. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. So did you start that spring with Caitlin and Mathis? Yeah, I came back for school like over the Christmas break and yeah, spring of 2021, immediately jumped into small group and met y'all for the first time. Yeah, that was when we had like a super big small group. Yeah. It was like 21 people. It was so fun. It was it so was. sweet. Yeah, it was good. It was a good group of people. Everybody was so different in a good way that no matter... Like, what we talked about, there was never, like, everybody looking at each other, nodding their heads. There were lots of, like, hypothetical questions or, like, well, what what would you think about, you know, this sort of whatever. And so I felt like we had a lot of deep thinking that semester. I loved that small group. I think it was, like, at least for me, it felt like the perfect small group of, like, I think I was, what, the only college kid? Mm -hmm. 
at St. Andrews, at least at the time. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't feel very out of place. Like I felt like everyone was in different places in every aspect. Yeah. Which was really good and like made a good environment, yeah. I think. Cause I think it was you and Emma were the youngest mm-hmm. and then probably us were like the next youngest. Park houses. I don't think they were, were in they that semester. No. Or maybe they joined later on. I think they joined the next year. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a little a little break to talk about whiskey minute. Alexander just poured <laughs> whiskey for Cordy and himself. What did you pour? This is a four as a single barrel. Just one of the hundred proof offerings. Isn't four roses from that area, it's Ohio? From, that's from Kentucky. Which is right below Ohio. Fun fact. <laughs> there you go. Adjacent, yeah. Ohio adjacent. They're probably pretty far from Kent State, though. Yeah, probably about four hours. I'm in the northeast corner. Close yeah. to Canada, yeah. Eh? Hey. Closer to Cleveland, but yeah. And it's oh, only like okay. three or so hours from Canada. I haven't Cleveland's been yet. basically Canada. You guys come up and we'll go to Canada. Maybe the lake will be frozen and we can just drive across the lake. Do people do that? I don't know. We can find out. Send it. This tastes pretty good. I've had this a few times. So what they do with this is it's their single barrel uh, offering. Literally, it's like they take one barrel, they dump it, they proof it down to 100 proof, and then they bottle it. Like, that's it. So, like, you can, take, you can pick different bottles off the shelf, potentially, and they will taste different because they're different single barrels, different spots in the warehouse, um, age for different amounts of time, potentially. So you can get, like, a kind of a wider variation in flavor, which is cool. Do they keep the warehouse's temperature control? Sometimes they'll heat them in the winter a little bit. If it gets too cold, like the aging kind of stops, what they say, like under 40 degrees, like the aging doesn't occur. So you'd think like you're losing like four months of aging each year potentially, because mm-hmm. the whiskey isn't interacting with the barrel under a certain temperature. So how does the temperature vary that much in different parts of the warehouse? So like in the summer, the heat would kind of rise to the top. Yeah, but not like laterally, wouldn't matter laterally. Like they have windows that open windows and things and like then they have some on one side of the warehouse and not to be shade on the other so it'd be hotter do they control the warehouse like uh, do they do that intentionally do they yeah have like different thermometers all over the place they'll do stuff where they'll open all the windows or some of the windows or yeah mm. what cordy what do you think of the whiskey i'm a fan this is good you like it yeah, yeah. it is pretty good i think mm-hmm. why did you select four roses for tonight's really sweet yeah like, like dessert it is kind of desserty i don't, I don't feel like chocolate dessert but it is like fruit sweet i think mm-hmm. it's like sweeter than like cherries yeah because i don't normally grab it i only have two bottles of four roses um and i want something a little bit lower proof like 100 proof but something that's still like good mm-hmm. so it's, yeah this will be interesting mm-hmm. okay so anyway Back to the star of our show. Gone from our whiskey minute. Gone from our whiskey minute. That concludes our whiskey minute on today's <laughs> Thank podcast. Thank you for joining. Podcast titled Cleveland is basically Canada. Clee girls. What is that? I one of the girls I go to church with. We were joking about going up to Cleveland, and she kept saying that we were gonna be Clee girls. And then her husband was like, "That sounds like like Swifties." We're like, "Well, we are Swifties, so it's fine." He's like, "No, no, no." And they start hating on Swifties. We're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Watch Hold it. on a second. So that's just like. Our Did you get joke. to go once or twice? Once. Okay. I mean, I've watched it online so many times, and I've been <laughs> innumerable. I haven't gone to the the movie. We need to go. do that. 
Over Christmas. Okay. Is it still going to be in the thing? I have no idea. I'll look it up. Look it up. We can go this week if we need to. We can go right now. If we, we can to. go right now. Podcast over. It's just like, you want to go with like fun people. Yeah. Like that, can you imagine going, I've been to one movie alone in my entire life. Can you imagine going to that alone? No. That would be so sad. It would like, be sad. You make friends with everybody there though. It's like probably one big party in the theater. Yeah. You're so right. What movie did you go to by yourself? <laughs> and why? Okay. It was a Spider-Man movie with all the Spider-Mans. The new one with okay. Tom Holland, but yeah. like Andrew Garfield and... The original guy. What's his name? Toby Maguire. Yeah. We're all in it. It was a Sunday evening. I had been dating this boy for like four months, and we were going to go with our friends to see this movie, and I decided I had to break up with him. And so like he came over to my house before the movie, and he was under the impression that he was going to take me to the movie after, and I was under the impression that that was not going to happen. So I break up with him, and I was like, you can go with our friends to the movie, but I really wanted to see this movie, and also like... I don't know why I went to the movie, but I went to a different theater at the same time and sat alone in this movie theater. And there was like a romantic scene where they're like so sad and they're in love. And then the couple in front of me was like in love. And then I was like, I just broke up with the only boyfriend I've ever had. And I am so sad about it right now. Wow. Yeah. Why did your relationship end? (laughs) I mean, long story short, I think we've been friends for a really long time. Actually, there's a lot of reasons our relationship ended. But at the time, honestly, like, God put it on my heart. And, like, it wasn't the right relationship for me. Like, we just weren't compatible for a lot of reasons. And, like, the biggest thing is, like, his faith was not... He didn't consider himself a Christian, like, at the end of the day. Mm. And my faith was very important to me. And, like, always has been. And it became really clear the longer we dated that we were in very different places. Fair enough. So. Good reason. So do you, your friends that went to the movie with this person, <laughs> what was their experience of having a third wheel? Of like being the third wheel? No. Like, so like your other friends that you were oh, going to go Oh, it was like with. a bunch of friends. It wasn't oh, just like okay. a couple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think. So like he just showed up and you didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I think he talked to, I don't know who he talked to afterwards, but one of the girls who had gone, like, I drove to her house as soon as they were done with the movie and, like, sobbed in her driveway. And But it was, like, weird because I was, like, I know this is the right thing. I just hate that, like, I don't know. I just, like, it's not fun to go through a breakup. Yeah. But, like, I was so sure that it was, like, I was, like, kind of happy that it had happened. It mm-hmm. just felt like a weight. Like, it was almost like a relief, finally, of, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just so much clarity. Mm-hmm. But, like, sobbing in my Mini Cooper in front of her house in Midtown. And Aww. being like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> Poor Cordy. Poor Cordy. Poor little, what, sophomore in college, Cordy. Aww. And you're young, too, for a sophomore, right? Because you did everything a year early. I mean, it was my second year of college. So I was considered my third year, my junior, senior year. My junior, senior Oh, okay. My junior year. Like jeans. That's funny. Yeah, got it. <laughs> That's funny. He says, not laughing. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it is funny. January 12th. So we have plenty of time over Christmas to see the Taylor Swift movie. Perfect. Perfect. Are we going to dress up? Alexander, are you going to dress up? What, do, what does could, a guy dress up to to go to a Taylor Swift concert movie? You could dress up as movie? the scarf. I've seen a guy dress up as the scarf. He gets whipped. My brother wore a shirt that said, you need to calm down. You could wear a shirt that says, karma, because karma is my boyfriend. Oh, And your chin says, I mean, you're not her boyfriend. the Chiefs, come on straight home to me. Yeah. You weren't the guy on the Chiefs. No. No. Not even close. 
can we like do a play on something you do that would work? The guy on the screen coming straight home to me, the guy... On the Zoom. You're not in IT. Can no. you imagine if you were in IT, the guy in IT coming straight home to me? That, that would be cute. cute. You yeah. should change your job before we go to Yeah. I'll probably just wear... All black, same jeans reputation. And a, jeans and a polo. Just wear regular clothes. It's very... It's very dark in the theater anyway. Yeah, Who honestly, cares? I'll probably wear like leggings or sweatpants. So you're not that fun, Cordy. I have sparkly yeah. cowgirl boots that I was going to bring up for this occasion. We're going to make friendship bracelets. Oh, that would be fun. Xander, are you excited to make friendship bracelets? I think I'm busy that night. <laughs> <laughs> you can make one that says disco. I would like Aww. to see it, though, because I I didn't... There's an album of Taylor Swift, so I was like, oh, this is, seems reputation, I think. I was like, this is fine. But then I watched the video on like Netflix or whatever. I was like, just kidding, reputation's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing this would be, would be cool. Make the album make more sense. Make it cooler it's not an album it's all of the albums uh, okay yeah i guess i thought it was like except debut and there's only one song from speak now mm. that's in the movie mm-hmm. i don't know what's uh-huh. in the movie because there's two surprise songs and i don't remember okay. what surprise songs are in the movie hmm. what were the surprise songs when you went i bet you think about me and i don't remember the other one but i know i bet you think about me mm-hmm. it's very Impactful. This is the only time it was the first time she'd ever performed it live. Oh wow! Yeah, because it was a vault song from Red. Oh, is that the one she did that music video with? Yes, the one with Miles Teller. Yes. Yeah, where she's in the wedding dress. Yes, yeah. exactly. That was like almost very country. Mm-hmm. It had Chris Stapleton, who's a country singer. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that he was in the song though. It says featuring Chris, Chris Stapleton. Okay. I saw recently the music video where she gets... I can't remember what the song was, but they go get her out of a vault. Oh, that is a newer one. Taylor Lautner's in it. And yes. Jimmy King. We should have, like, Taylor trivia with Cordy. Like, oh, yeah. Like, those, like, random Taylor Swift I can't remember what... Stuff, and there's, like, Astro. Music video, that is, though. Like what music? What music video has the most views on? I think that would speak now. I can see you. That's the song. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. That was a really good music. I got video. there. Wow. You'd gotten the point. Now we're just talking. Trying to get back what to other, the. What uh, other? What other questions do you have for Cordy? About Taylor Swift about specifically. Taylor Swift. Not about Taylor Swift. Nothing. How did you come to love Taylor Swift? So I actually I remember vividly. We lived in Hawaii at the time, and I was like seven or eight years old. Fearless was out. So I wasn't an OG OG, like I wasn't there when debut came out. But also debut came out in 06, which means I was five years old. So you gotta cut me some slack. But I was a big Miley Cyrus fan. Mm. And I had like the People magazine of Miley Cyrus with all like her fun facts and like all of this stuff. But Miley Cyrus was starting to go off the deep end. Like she, I think, was had just released like Can't Be Tamed or whatever. My mom was like, my good Christian daughter cannot be a Miley Cyrus <laughs> fan. Like she uh-huh. is going off the rails. Because my mom bought me the People magazine of Taylor Swift. And made me watch Taylor Swift music videos. Like, we're sitting at the computer in our kitchen. My mom was like, you should be, a, like, literally word for word, was like, you should be a fan of her. You could go to a concert of hers one day. Like, two years later, I think I was at Speak Now. And so my best friend at the time and I are, like, standing in my kitchen at the computer as my mom is, like, playing Be- You Belong With Me. Mm. And, like, we watched Love Story. But I remember You Belong With Me because I remember, like, they kiss at the end and my mom's like, covering the screen, like, oh, don't watch that. But, like, she was kidding. But... That was, Kelly made sure I was a Taylor Swift fan, and I don't think she had any idea where that was going. Yeah, does she regret that now? No, she has no regrets. 
Is she still also? Too? She's not like a hardcore Swifty, okay. but she's glad I'm not a Miley Cyrus yeah. fan. Miley Cyrus has turned it around though. I feel like yeah. I feel like she's got it going on. Yeah. I listened to her podcast with Joe Rogan, which oh. is a while ago now. That was a while ago, but it was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, three hours of straight Miley Cyrus uncut is... That's crazy. A lot of Miley. But yeah, I think, and she was on Call Her Daddy too, I think. She's actually pretty interesting and pretty normal, as much as it doesn't seem maybe from appearances, but mm-hmm. she's like big, like, a workaholic, but she's very like focused on work and her stuff. So. She has an incredible voice. I remember watching yeah. her cover Jolene at one mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. and it was like... Wow. Yeah. Like, just yeah. incredible. Yeah. So much talent. Well, and her voice has changed so much, too, since she was, like, on Hannah Montana or whatever. Now it's all super raspy because she didn't take care of it, basically. But I feel like now it's her signature. Yeah, it's still it's still way better than I could do. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Not that you're a terrible singer. Just mean <laughs> she's yeah, a very good singer. Yeah. yeah. What? Okay, so you lived in growing up in Hawaii and obviously Columbus and where else? I was born in California. That's where both my parents are from. And then Kentucky, Missouri, Hawaii. And then we got stationed here and we lived on the Alabama side for a while. And then I lived with my grandparents in California for a while. And then I've been here since like fifth grade. Oh, okay. So mostly here. Yeah. So mostly here for me. Yeah. I was thinking about this. So we took this class, or almost about the leadership, leading people in organizations class. We did some exercise where they were like, write down ten people that you're friends with. No, it was like the your ten most trusted people in your life. Mm. And it can't be your, it can't be any family. Yeah. But and I think, do we both write Cordy? I wrote Cordy. I don't remember. Okay. And but then I asked you like. The, the goal of this was to see like how similar... Courtney are... made Alexander's top 10. You guys would have easily made my top 10. Like, not including family, 100%. Yeah, so not including family, family. It's like... yeah. Which, which I think is good. I think yeah. most part, like, your family accounts for a lot of that circle. They do. Yeah. And I think the, the idea of, the, of this, like, and then you answer these questions about them, like, do you think... I can't remember, I'll pull this sheet up. Maybe I should have. The questions were like... You know, male, female, what's their level of education? What's their, like, ethnicity? What's their political leanings? What's their religion? What's their, like, marital status or relationship status? And the objective was to reflect on how diverse your 10 most trusted people were. And and I think on the face of it, they were not very diverse. Mm -hmm. It was like everyone is... Minus a few years, like say minus five years to plus ten years. It's like our window of age, and they're mostly married, but a couple single, and they're all educated. And like, so on the face of it, I think it was like very similar, like Christian conservative generally, yeah. right? I don't know. Mine was like pretty diverse. I did. I just remember like adding it up, adding up the f- different. Yeah, you had some more work people sprinkled in. Probably added yeah. or something because your people like you work remotely, so your people are remote. I guess. Different pool of people. But then you describe, like, your background, and I always get reminded, like, you are or seem so similar to us, but at the same time, you've lived in five or six states and had all these different experiences. Like, your families are so different than, like, all three, I think, of our family backgrounds are so different. So different. So it's, it's just, like, always interesting to be reminded. 
Like, I think if you put okay. all six of our parents in a room together, <laughs> like, I just imagine spontaneous combustion. Yeah, I literally cannot imagine. Or, like, any imagination I do have is, like, we'd have to go in and, like, be like, okay, guys, yeah. like, nice that you got to meet. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just think it's so interesting. Like, through, through all that, like, somehow we're still, like, we can relate, we're similar, and, yeah, we're here, but I don't Why know. Why do you think that is? Hmm, I don't know. I don't, hmm. It's tough. I think, I don't know why we connect with Cordy so well. Why do we connect with you? I was going to say, like, I always like to say, like, I do think we're very different, but I think faith is, like, yeah. a combining factor. Like, I think our faith is, I don't know, there's, like, a spiritual family found in, like, like, that's what the Bible teaches us. Right. It's, like, we're all from the same lineage, like, spiritually. Right. And I don't know, there's something that connects you to people who like you have a familial connection to. But I also think we value that. Like I think some people do have really strong family who maybe they're close with, like geographically, who they get to spend a lot of time with and like none of us really have that. Like we don't have like extended family. And yeah. like so I think to all of us, like individually, like community is really important. And like family that's not actually related to you is really important. And so like prioritizing relationships, even if it's like, oh yeah, I have a different taste than this. So like, yeah, Cordy's a really big Taylor Swift fan, but we can look like, past it. Like, don't worry. Because like, I don't know, like showing up for people like shows them that like, oh, I can show up for this person and like there's something. Yeah. Like it's shared. Yeah, it's interesting because like there's a lot there are plenty of Christians that I don't feel like I need to get to know on a deeper basis. I was gonna <laughs> say the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, yeah, I think it maybe is that. Like, I think we find you interesting, for sure. Like, you're different than us, but that's also super interesting. Like, your background's different, English major, engineering majors. Like, <laughs> we couldn't be more different in a lot of ways, but, but also we get along great, which is fun. Yeah. But then also we have that, like, we're kind of, you know, not from here. Mm -hmm. So that that is different than a lot of people that are from here. And so we kind of see each other out. I think same with Emma, too. Like, yeah. right? So she's not really from here. And so you, I think, create some bonds with people that are not really from here. And then those people kind of get, have something in common, which is that they kind of depend on each other a little bit and form some community. So yeah. that can be I a little think, bit of it as well. Yeah, I think what you said about like closeness with family versus closeness with people who are not your family but sort of become your family really resonated with me because I do have a very large family, but they're all spread out. Like proximity and relationship wise like my mom is the youngest of seven and so my closest cousin is like 10 years older than me and so I never really like built a relationship with these people and I have a younger brother five years younger and so as we go older in age we get like super close and I think that's something that I see in my relationships now is just like as more time passes it's like quality over quantity and so I'm like not interested in being friends with anybody unless we have a very extremely deep relationship or like intentional relationship and so I think by default that sort of weeds out a lot of maybe service level relationships and the leftovers are relationships that are just like super deep anyway yeah I think also, like, with you guys, I feel very free to come as I am. Like, I think mm -hmm. there are definitely, like, relationships, like, with people from all arenas of life where it's, like, you have to put on a certain front. Like, you're not necessarily like, yeah, like, I had a really hard time because of this or this or this. And sometimes it's because, like, you have to supply context or you don't want to burden them. Whereas with you guys, I feel like 
I don't know. I just am who I am. Like, I feel like you guys have seen me through, like, a couple years now of, like, growth, so. Yeah. Yeah. It does take getting to know someone at a certain level where you can, like, do that. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, I think that's, like, super important. I'm glad that, like, you feel comfortable because, like, it's always uncomfortable when you just censor what you're going to say or, like, someone's going to judge me if I reveal this thing about myself versus, like, oh, maybe we just, like, don't agree on that and that's okay. Like, yeah. we agree on 99.9% .9 of other things. I'm getting wrapped up in that 0.1% it's not worth it. And it's, like, I've come, I think, to be more accepting of, like, just differences. It's, like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think I've come to see differences as, like, less extreme as maybe... I would have thought they were 10 years ago or five years ago. It was just like, oh, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. And it's like, I like this thing. I don't like this thing. It's like, okay. You know, and instead of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you come from like a point of view where you think that's okay or you like this thing. It's like, oh, interesting. I think it's less bucketizing. I think when you're younger, you put people yeah. in a bucket. You're like, oh, you're an athlete. Oh, you're a whatever. Yeah. Like you bucketize people more. That I feel like as you get older, it's, it's like this spectrum. Mm -hmm. you know, I've worked with a wide spectrum of people on a range and they've got different experiences and like people don't fit into buckets at all, I feel like. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a couple bigger buckets, but inside of that, like they just can't be bucketized. Mm -hmm. so. so going from living in Columbus and like the diversity that exists in Columbus and like your circle here, versus going to Kent where maybe it's like a little bit of a less diverse circle, but you're also in ministry in a university. So like a very concentrated age group of people and probably like people with a lot of the same, like similar long-term visions as long-term of a vision as you can have between 18 and 22. So what is something that you see, like what is something that surprises you most about the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis? I think it was something I was warned about going to Kent State, but that, you know, we're in the South and we're called the Bible Belt. And I think in some ways that's actually a little more of an obstacle to overcome in terms of ministry because you go to the North, east of Ohio. I always feel like it's the north because it's like a lot colder, but it's still like the Midwest. It's like a weird, I never know what to call it geographically. It's still the Midwest. But you go to like northeast Ohio and everyone's telling you like no one, it, like Christianity, like it's a lot, I was told it's spiritually darker. And like in a sense, that's definitely true. Like you don't have a lot of people claiming to be Christian, but I think you have a lot more authenticity in that sense of like people are just gonna tell you what they are and I found that the people who claim to be Christian, like, it means something. Like, it shapes their day-to-day -day life. And the people who aren't Christian aren't going to, like, tell you, like, that they are. Or that, oh, I grew to go to church. Like, I know what it means. Whereas, like, in the South, you can have people who have never actually heard the gospel but think they're Christian. Like, I met someone in Ohio who, like, we had that conversation where she grew up in the South and was like, I thought I was a Christian growing up and then didn't hear the gospel for the first time, like, truly until I was 18 years old. And I think that's something we take for granted in a, like, everyone's Christian, everyone's heard the gospel, but that's not necessarily true. And whereas in Ohio, that's less of a barrier to overcome, like, teaching like you don't want to tell someone they're not a christian because a you don't know their heart like only jesus knows their heart but also be like trying to discern the fruits and be like hey like i think maybe you don't know the truth and like trying to share that with them is a lot harder when they're like well this is what my family believes mm -hmm. and this is like 
because it can almost be like cultural here and so it feels like it can be harder to be like hey like here's the truth like honestly versus up there it's like hey here's the truth maybe you haven't heard it like you're not claiming to know it Mm. it's harder to tell people things they think they know oh interesting things they know they don't know yeah Have, have you been met with any um feedback where somebody was like offended or uncomfortable when you talked to them about the gospel no honestly i think i mean in a lot of the situations where i am sharing the gospel it's people i've been meeting with on a regular basis and i'm very upfront about who i am like i work for a campus ministry like i believe the gospel like i like a lot of the ministry like sitting across from people and asking them real questions about themselves and mm-hmm. then kind of shining that hope of the gospel into that being like hey like I may not know how to speak perfectly into the situation, but I know someone who can sympathize with everything perfectly. And, like, this is what I believe, and this is where I find my hope. And, like, extending that to them and kind of, like, I don't know. I feel like if I can't share the gospel with someone, then I'm not, like, really doing anything in that situation. Mm-hmm. But I haven't found any hostility in it. And, like, there have been times I've been nervous in sharing the gospel with students, and a lot of t- like, I've learned to grow in, like, okay, like, if someone's sharing something with me and I don't know what to do with it and I don't know how to point them to the gospel like praying in that like moment and I have not yet met a moment in which I begin praying over that that I haven't felt an opportunity to share the gospel with them and I've been like nervous too and then it's never been received poorly like they may not be like wow like I'm giving my life to Jesus now but like I don't know it's planting a seed and like I may not ever see the fruit of that but like I can have faith that like the Holy Spirit is at work right because he provided that opportunity for them to hear the gospel and, like, I don't know what ground that sea is falling on, but it's still the gospel. Yeah. How has your prayer life changed? So we were talking a little while ago at dinner how much more time and how, how much more intentional you are now with, like, the time you spend in the Word and, mm-hmm. like, the studying that you're doing. So how has your prayer life changed I think my prayer life has always been, like, honestly, like, kind of hard for me. Like, it's something, I think it's the discipline I have struggled with the most, because I think it can be the most casual, but I think I've seen it grow because I've seen, I don't know, I feel like I've seen the most fruit in this season of, like, prayer where I've prayed for things in my personal life that I've seen come to fruition, but I've also seen things in ministry. Like, I have this note card in, like, a, like, a picture frame in my room that has like a couple of prayer requests on it that I've prayed through over the semester and one of them is that our youth at Kent State would grow faster and more than I could imagine and I'm gonna be honest like at the beginning of the semester like my hopes were really high and they dashed really low really quick oh no and so like maybe in some ways like part of the prayer being answered was like okay let's dash those hopes really quick and then like seeing more students become committed to things and like them to start to value growing in their faith but also like becoming a part of the community yeah I've seen that more recently and it's been really encouraging I've been really encouraged especially after seeing like we had an event where like one person came to the event and it was like oh man this is like not embarrassing but it's kind of a letdown where it's like okay I put a lot of work into like I made these posters and I printed them out and I like did all these things to prep for it and like one person came and a like knowing that god is working in that person's life like we got to meet with her and like now i meet with her on a semi-regular basis but also like now getting to see that 
students do show up to things. Like I had six students at church with me this past Sunday and I've had students over for lunches and have a small group where like five students have shown up. And like those numbers aren't huge when compared to like the large groups I know in the South, but for Kent State, like that's the most students we'd ever had at anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Is it more, is the male-female ratio like heavily female? Yeah. 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 Lots of girls. I think we have, like, one guy that's super dedicated. I think there's three guys I've seen total coming mm-hmm. to things. But I think, yeah, I've had a lot of opportunity to meet with a lot of girls and, like, get really close relationships with them and then be like, hey, like, I'd really love for you to meet my friend or my roommate and then, like, get to build relationships with them, them which is really cool. Mm-hmm. To, like, build that trust not only with them but so much so that they're like, hey, like, my friend has questions or my friend would love to meet with you and them trusting me enough to be like offering like their friend a space in RUF yeah and then they sort of become a bridge and then they're mm-hmm. sharing the gospel as well or yeah. like oh that's so exciting it's like a, like a ripple effect yeah I was gonna say spider web but I was thinking spider web I thought you were gonna say spider web I was gonna say it but it's was not I reading quite... your mind there that yes. was wild see that's how well we know each other that's crazy where, Alexander, have you seen Cordy grow the most over the time that you've spent with her or, like, known her? Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think the one thing that stuck out to me from kind of, like, catching up is that you're, like, spending time in the Word helps me to have something to, like, pour out from. Mm. I think that's, like, really, like, obvious, but also, like, a good takeaway. Yeah. Like a reminder. It's like you're in the trenches like every day, I feel like. I think we could all probably learn from that. Yeah, that you was know? something that was like like face palm, like, oh my gosh, like what have I been doing? Of course that's the answer, right? Is like spending more time in the word and just like dedicated to that relationship and like what blossoms from that is beyond what you could ever imagine. But taking that step and like being intentional about it is so like maybe not unnatural but so like it's a muscle that you have to strengthen Mm -hmm. and if you're super weak it's gonna be really hard at first especially when in like a job that's not doesn't have anything to do with church or ministry or whatever it's not like a part of it's not on your mind, I guess. Yeah. I think what I've learned, too, is I don't know what I'll do after the internship. I, But whatever I do after the internship, like, part of the reason I took the internship is trying to live out, figure out what it means to live out my faith on the day-to-day. And I think what I've learned is, yeah, like, getting into the Word is really important. Because, like, even in the book I'm reading right now, like, we all do personal ministry. And, like, all have opportunities to share the gospel with the people around us. And, like... Even in the job I'm in, like, sometimes I feel like I need to be, like, emboldened by the Holy Spirit to do that. But I can't imagine, like, what I would have done differently if, like, in college or high school, even I had been praying in certain conversations of, like, God, like, how can I speak into their lives in, like, a positive way that shows them the hope of the gospel? Um, Because I don't think I've done that a whole lot prior to this job, but I'm so much more aware of it on a consistent basis because of... A, what my job is, but B, because I'm in the Word so much more consistently. Mm-hmm. Makes it easier to be in, like, constant conversation. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of takes away, like, the... Like you said, it's the most informal way to, like, connect, I guess. And at first, it's like, oh, this is... 
it's weird to be so informal, but at the same time, like, God loves it when we talk to him. So even if it's, you know, something's so little, I think it's, I don't know. The more you do it, the more, the easier it gets. And then, like, snowballs a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, just like in our prayer life, the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more we're in the word, the easier it gets. And the more we're in conversation about, like, just the gospel in, like, normal ways, the easier it gets, I think... You guys are, I mean, you guys were talking about it earlier, like, why are we so close? But I think you guys are very intentional. I think, I brought Blake over one time, and she still talks about it. She's like, (laughs) I, well, because you guys are so intentional in asking people conversations, asking people questions in conversations. And, like, that's my job, is learning how to ask good questions that, like, give you the opportunity to, like, hear someone's story and figure out, like, how, how do they need hope? And I think you guys are really good at asking questions, like being curious about people naturally. And I think when you're really curious about people, like you can learn very easily. Like, I think everyone needs the hope of the gospel. Like we all have this like Jesus sized hole in our heart that needs to be filled and we're all seeking ways to fill it. But I think you guys have the unique ability to like share that with people of like, you do like care about them so deeply and you have that opportunity to share like, well, I know you're struggling, and, like, I have also struggled, but this is why I have hope beyond that. That's so sweet. <laughs> Blake often is like, you know, like, they're so awesome because they just, I they met me for the first time, and they were asking me questions, and I felt like they actually cared about what I had to say, and, Aww. like... That's when know. she came over for breakfast that one time? Like, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it was breakfast. Yeah. Because right. we're... Am I she, like, came over once. too? Yeah. Because that was the goal. Was like, we're going to get to know her. But now it's I think it was around fried. the fact that, like, she's not very vulnerable. And mm. that was it. Yeah. We were like, oh, we're going to crack it. We're going to crack the code. I feel like you guys got stuff. You're, you're going to break like her. That's too. what you said. I yeah. think, like, lots of people think they're not vulnerable. But I think a lot of people just haven't been actually asked good questions. Mm. Yeah. And it's so uncomfortable. You have to push the envelope. I have, like, one student who I feel like... I would say isn't super vulnerable, but then it's also like a question of like, is do they just not have a lot to be vulnerable about? Oh uh, yeah. Or but like everyone has a story, but then it's like I feel like I've learned a lot about this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How so? Have you seen your like ability to ask questions or yeah. like not fast forward, but like mature relationship? Like has that ability? improved I guess since you first started meeting with people I think I think there's a certain I was warned by like older interns I have like two girls who are in my region who I got to see at fall conference and they give me the warning of like don't intern your friends like if you date someone like don't intern your boyfriend like don't intern because the way you like ask someone questions in like a one-on-one for the purpose Mm -hmm. of ministry and the way you like should be asking like the people in your life like it is a very, like, take, like, give, give, give versus, like, mm. give and take relationship of, like, so I would say, like, I've learned to listen better in those situations because when you're having a one-on-one, you're asking intentional, like, questions to get to know them better because you're curious about their story, but you're also, like, trying to see where Jesus is at work in their life, whether or not they realize it. So is it one of those things where once you sort of see that, you do you point it out to them? Or do you take that as a data point and sort of like 
informational background to figure out how to like what direction to go in next it depends i mean it's a lot of data points like relationships with people especially in that context is a lot of data points because it's also trying to figure out like do we have the kind of relationship where if i try to share the gospel with them or do they really want my advice or do they really just need a listening ear and trying to find the balance of like well if I'm not sharing the gospel with the, this person in some sense, like, I'm just sitting here being another friend, like, asking mm. them questions about their day-to-day life. And so, like, like my campus minister told me, he was like, if you're not getting into the word with a student on a regular basis, like, you're wasting your time. And I agree with that. Like, if I'm not having an opportunity to share the gospel with a student, then, like, what am I doing that's so different than, like, any of their other friends? Mm. Um, that's tough. Like, a tough uh, road to navigate, though, because you don't want to necessarily jump like straight into it and then like it'd be off-putting but Mm -hmm. you also in a sense sort of have to get to the point or else like you said you're just another friend and like that's not really your mission in a sense so yeah like that's a very tough I don't know I mean it's a lot of questions and like not every one-on-one am I gonna be like well let's open up to Galatians here I think this (laughs) is very apt but it will be a lot of, like, like the first session or two. Like, I think the beginning of the semester was a lot of, like, getting to know these girls and asking them questions and being really curious about their stories. To be like, where where are they in their walk with God? Like, how can I serve them well? Because some girls, it's like, well, they are further along in their walk and they've been reading their Bible a lot on their own. Like, maybe I can be another resource of, like, maybe we can go through a specific book they have questions about together or... Like, maybe I can be an encouragement in this different way. Or it's like, they don't even own a Bible. Like, how Mm. can I encourage them in, like, opening this giant book? Um, Yeah, it can be a struggle. And I think that's where my prayer life has really grown in this season is understanding sometimes, like, I am very daunted by the idea of opening the Bible with these girls and being like, I really enjoy them. I enjoy spending time with them. Like, I don't want to scare them off. I want them to get to know Jesus better. Um, But also, I think no one is as intimate like if you offer to open the bible with someone like no one is at least in my experience like no thanks like everyone like is encouraged by the fact that like you care enough to want that for them Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah so i guess in instances where like it might be more intimidating to go straight into like this big thick book versus something else are there like bite-sized like just the book of Romans or something like or do you not like is it do you just work with them differently until they would get to that point I think parables are really good I think you can open a parable with someone and be like hey let's read this together and like talk about it Mm. like there are a lot of parables throughout the gospels of like the sower and the seed and I can't like the Pharisees and like all yeah. these different things and be like what do you see here like just mm. talking through that with them because like I have more familiarity with the parables than someone who's never been to a church before but also any conversation you have like even if they're not a Christian being like there's something I can learn from this person and there's something they can learn from me mm. and there's yeah like the bible is the bible and like it's truth and so we can sit there and like talk about a parable and it doesn't have to be our entire time together but if we're opening the bible together like That's a picture of the gospel. Yeah. So. I love that. Let's uh, go to the next Whiskey Minute. Thank you. I wonder what Cordy thinks of this. We are going very different in the whiskey arena here. Okay, I was going to say, this feels very different. Is it scotch? Smells very different. Is it the monkey one? No. I think I liked the last one better. Monkey shoulder. This 
Yeah, this is like, if you don't like it, I'm not offended. Ooh, I like that. It is a unique offering. It's kind of cherry I'm curious what Cordy thinks. I, I like, hate um, it, but I liked the, the last one better. Apricotty. What do you, yeah, what do you taste? Like, Dried describe fruit. it to me if I, you know. It has like a lot more of a, like a burn to it. Like a lot more. It's much higher proof, yes. So you're correct there. <laughs> That's all I've got. I feel like I'm it's, really bad um, at the notes and the this and that. Is it like, is it, okay, so you got the heat. So it's 63% ABV versus 50, so it's much hotter. Do you have anything that's less than that? Less than 100? Yes. 90. 90. <laughs> that was 90. What's the lowest proof that you have on the shelf? 90. Okay. I mean, I could have something lower than 90, but I don't know. So it's definitely hotter. That's where you're getting like the burn, the mm. ethanol. Come across like spicy sometimes. Yeah. But like. Spicy. Spicy. Um, <laughs> fire water. But uh, what other note do you mean? Like, is it sweeter or less sweet? Oaky, less oaky? Richer, less rich? Like. Generically, like any less sweet, less sweet, yeah. Maybe more oaky. I feel like anytime I'm like I'm getting a note of something, it's like burn, burn, <laughs> fire. It's true. It could be a lot of burn. It's fine. It's so this is. Can't even smell it. No, I know. I go to smell it like. You, should, you, like you it. can put like put a little water in it if you want. It'll help. No, 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 no. You're gonna you are. Okay. Can I put water on this one? <laughs> yeah. If you want to. I do. Well, I'll probably put You can do like half the straw if you want. It's pretty hot proof. Okay, so this is... It is... Texas whiskey. Oh. I didn't know Texas did whiskey. They do. And so it has this really unique flavor. So not so much the burn, because you can get that anywhere. But the... They do not specialize in burn. Yes. It's not just their thing, but it's like a crazy override banana is how I describe it. Interesting. But like real oaky, and you can you can taste it a lot of like that Texas whiskey. Interesting. You can like you can smell it like Texas whiskey because it's so hot there that the interaction with barrels so different than like Kentucky would be, mm -hmm. and so it has a really unique flavor. It's definitely different than like most whiskeys. Yep, Texas. Mm. It feels deeper, like richer, denser. Yeah. Less light. It's thick. But. Yes. We're going to go all night. I have so many questions recording. We haven't even gotten The impetus for the haircut? No, yeah. <laughs> oh. For sure. Oh, well, let's go over to your... Wait, hold on. I do have one question. You said that you got a lot of, like, advice or feedback or whatever from other interns. Are those, like, second-year interns talking to first-year interns? Or, like, how does that... How do those conversations happen? Oh man, so we have several trainings. So when you first become an intern, you have June orientation, which is just your class. So your class is like people who come in at the same time as you. Because generally you've just graduated from college. There are exceptions, but... So there's first year interns, there's second year interns, and there's a very small class of third year interns every year. There's Because the commitment is for two years. You do the job for two years, barring any like crazy circumstance. And then you can choose to do a third year. So a lot of like... I think good advice I've really gotten is from second years. And like, I have I have two favorite second years. They know who they are. I have three favorite second years. One is from the girl at Mercer who like is where my best friend goes. She was like the first person I ever knew that was like an RUF intern. And like the only basis I had for like what the job was before I actually like heard about it or like took it or anything. Um, and then the two girls in like my area, cause it's a really small area. Like we don't have a lot of campuses in the North we call it the mid-atlantic region um and 
yeah, there's like three of us in this region. So mm -hmm. they're super good resources. And I text one of them a good bit, like anytime I have a question of like, how would I do this and do this well? And she answers and like, Aww. it's super great. They're really great. I think Jessica's only like three hours from me. Oh, so that's nice. she's at like Penn State College. Okay. Um, and then we have like an intern care department and one of our, who like aren't interns, like it's their job to do all of the like admin side of intern stuff. Um, and she's also in the Penn State College area. So she's only like three hours away and mm -hmm. she's also really good at, we have a lot of, RUF is, does a really good job of taking care of its people. Yeah. So there's a lot of like people who care about you and check in with you. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So you're, you're supported. So you're poured into, so you can pour out. Yeah. Like I have resources. Like if something went really sideways, like there are a lot of people I could call in like a yeah. lot of different arenas. Oh, that must be like, even knowing that you don't like need to reach out to them, knowing that they're there must be like so helpful. Yes. I had like, I found out one thing about my job at July staff training and like the entire intern care department immediately was like this is how we can support you my area director was like this is how I plan on supporting you like everyone it was just it was very nice to like be like okay like this isn't a bad situation mm -hmm. and like even in this situation I'm very cared for like if there was a bad situation like they would care for me and they would care for me well and like RUF just does a really good job of caring for its people which is mm -hmm. really cool I love that it's your job to care for people so also to yeah. be a to be a people that is also cared for well is really yeah. cool. And also helps you do the job of, like, you have that security. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's so, like, it's good to know that you're in good hands because it could go, like, so sideways. And that, I mean, I guess, like, it's a blessing that the university you went to and your campus minister and the people that, like, the community that you build is really wonderful. But it's also comforting to know that even if that wasn't, the way that it is, you would still have such a really, like, healthy support system that um, it's not like it would be a total dumpster fire. Yeah, and, like, even from those trainings, like, I've become really good friends with a bunch of the other interns, and they've been such a support system of, like, hey, like, I'm going through this, and, like, they're mm. like, oh, I'm going through this, and getting to, like, share that with each other and pray over each other and just, like, keep each other up to date and, like, caring, caring well has been really, really sweet, and, like, mm -hmm. just building that community of friends who, like, are doing the same job as you because it's a really specific job at this time of life where like a lot yeah. of our friends are still in college or going off into like real world jobs to be like hey like our job is to care for people and sometimes that's really draining like mm -hmm. how are you doing this in a way that feels like you're doing it well mm -hmm. or just lamenting in the fact that like man oh man god chose his weakest soldier but <sighs> yeah my interns have been like such an area of support for me like they're so cool good yeah I love that. What is it? Well, you said you had a bunch of questions. I don't know a bunch, actually, but, like, <laughs> I want to ask Cordy about, uh, like, the fundraising, hindsight, any, anything coming up, like, where, like, where are you? As you say, saying it's in hindsight is unfortunately not accurate. Right. I have about 4000 after raise before the end of the year, a little less than that. End of the school year? End of the year. Like, Just this year. First. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's back up a little bit for the audience you okay so the ruf internship is a circumstance where the intern has to raise fundraise their salary so depending on where you get located in the country it would be a different salary but like average is or minimum i guess is fifty thousand or fifty five the minimum if you don't need insurance which when you're a military kid they kick you off as soon as you graduate from college is like thirty six thousand like bare bones okay but i needed insurance so i was at about forty five thousand. so because i was also still going to a very like 
not low income, but very, like, moderate. Like, not a big city, like, a small town. Like, I found a good living situation. So I think I was about 45000 for mm-hmm. fundraising. And I had to fundraise that, yeah, for the school year. Okay. And then I had to reach 85% of that to be able to move to campus. Okay. And I reached 85% of that the Wednesday before I moved to campus, which was super... I was moved... I don't know if I should say that. I was moving to campus that Sunday, like, no matter what. I was at, like, 82% when I went to training. Mm-hmm. And then, like... I, yeah, I was talking to my old campus minister. He's like, yeah, you reached 85. And I, like, kept winking at him. I was like, yeah, right, I reached 85. Like, wink, wink. He's like, no, like, you reached 85. We just checked. I was like, right, I just reached 85. So I can move to campus. Wink, wink. And Tim was like, Courtney, you're at 85. Like, I'm not pulling your leg here. Like, I'm not, like, agreeing with you for the sake of agreeing. Like, you're at 85. You can move to campus. And then, so, yeah, I got back from Denver, like, Friday evening and got in the car to go to Ohio Sunday after church. Wow. Yeah. So is that, so the $4,000 that you have left or whatever, mm-hmm. is that, I guess, are you, is it clear to the church that you go to now that, you know, something that they could... I haven't talked to a lot of people at church about fundraising. I know a good bit of them support RUF in some capacity, and also look at the smaller church, it's a newer church, like a mm-hmm. lot of them give pretty substantially to the church because it's a church plant. Yeah, I haven't been super, I don't think, clear about, like, my financial needs. I've been starting to, like, get in contact with other people in the area, and there's a couple people who, like, support me, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Part of my plan was coming home and, like, talking to people and touching base. I'm like, hey, by the way, like, you said you'd give back in August, and it's November, and I would love for you to give now. Um, so, yeah, just touching base some people while I'm here, and then when I get back, seeing who I just need to call. And, like, yeah, I was talking to another intern, and I remember when we were at June training, like, that's kind of when a lot of us really kicked off fundraising. And kind of the prayer of, like, God, like, change my heart. Like, I really don't have a good heart posture for this. Like, I don't have a good attitude about this. And I'm very aware of that. And, like, this is something that I'm doing for you. And I feel like my heart should be, I don't know, like, I should have a different attitude about this. And now being at the point where it's like, I only have a couple thousand left to raise. And my heart doesn't feel much different in the mm. way I'm approaching it. Or, like... Because we're always supposed to be fundraising. Like, even if I was at 100% right now, like, you're still supposed to be fundraising on a consistent basis and being like, man, like, I really don't have, like, the right attitude about this. Like, I don't feel like I have total faith in God that he's going to supply for me in the way I need to be, like, provided for. But also, I don't have total faith that, like, people want to give. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's very, like, humbling and also, like more like every part of this job is like a realization of like the ways in which we need to be dependent on god like i think a lot of this life is kind of the illusion that we can provide for ourselves but you have less of that illusion when it's like well i'm doing ministry and i have to raise four thousand dollars before january 1st yeah but i mean i guess like they're not gonna send you home right i don't think so i guess has anyone ever been sent home I'm sure. Really? I'm sure. Like, if you just can't... I don't know. If you're not doing your job well in some way. Like, there are certain rules. But, I mean, like, they're not going to send you home, you, Cordy, with the performance that you've demonstrated so far because you you haven't raised $4,000. I don't know. I also have faith that, like, I'll figure it out before then. I have faith that God will provide for me before then. Like, a mix of... Oh, there's some, like, bad quote. It's, like, a bad, like... It's not what we believe. It says, like, pray like it's all in God's hands and act like it's all in your hands. It's all in God's hands. Yeah. But, like, you also have to put some, like, pedal to the metal there. And, like, pursuing people and be like, hey, like, this is what I need. Like, you have to tell people what you need. Like, people aren't just going to know what you need. Yeah. I guess, like, 
if I was in your position or like in a position where I had to raise money for my like livelihood, I I don't know. I feel like there's an imposter syndrome that sort of comes along <laughs> with that. Like, who am I to ask these people for money? And like, why why am I like worthy to even receive it, even if they did decide to give and like is this the best thing they could be doing with their money? Like, I feel guilty for taking their money because, like, I'm just trying to be a campus minister, but there's, like, other things. I don't know. I feel like that's such a tough... Like, what you're doing is so important, and you're reaching people at such a critical age and a critical point in their lives that it is really... It is really, like, life-changing. And, like, that's not putting it light... Or that's not exaggerating... It is, you know, people are going to be on a different trajectory because you poured into them at this point in their life. And so while all of those things are true, when you're going through, I guess, like the experience of fundraising, it must feel so just like intimidating. I think for me, like if I've learned anything through the fundraising process and the even getting to Kent process, like... I look back on, like, I think of October of last year a lot mm-hmm. in terms of just where I was, like, as a human. Um, Is that when you came over at one point and you're like, I'm not sure? That was April. Okay. That, but, like, October of last year, it was right before my 21st birthday, I had this big breakup with this guy. I I think I was in a really bad place around that time. And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't super honest about it. But I was in a really bad place, and I don't even know how aware I was, but... I look back at, like, that time and the way my life changed in a lot of ways from that time forth. And in order for me to get to where I am today, it wasn't that God had to move mountains to get me to where I am. He just had to leave things exactly where they were. And I wasn't going to get here. Like, I submitted the application, I think, like, October 19th or so for the internship. And, like, I had broken up with the guy I was dating, like, October 17th. Like... Oh, wow. I, like, if I had still been dating him, like, maybe would not have submitted the application. And, like, yeah, just a lot of things where I, I share this a lot. I, like, was talking to a girl who I have been meeting with, and she was saying something. I was like, if you have to pray for a red flag, like, you can just break up with him. She said the words, like, yeah, I've just been waiting for a red flag to break up with this guy. Which is something I've specifically said to people. Like, if you have to pray for a red flag, like, you can just break up with someone. Because that's, like, a lesson I had to learn the Mm. hard way for some reason. Of, like, if you feel that way, you can just break up with them. Like, you don't have to wait for a red flag. And that's where I was, like, over a year ago today of, like, yeah, I could have just broken up with him. But then I did get the big red flag. Like, God did answer the prayer in a discernible way. And which was, like, yeah, this is just the guy you break up with. And you submit the internship. And you follow this. And then, yeah, I ended up in y'all's apartment, like, April. Yeah, like, right before I graduated, I think. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this job. Like, I have to fundraise, like, $45,000 to move to Ohio. I remember this. I was sitting right there. I was like, guys, I don't know if I can do it. And then I did it. Like, God got me through it. And I grew so much. And I... I feel like I've grown so much since being there and, like, learned so much about God and his character and, like, grown so much in my faith and, like, seeing the ways in which he is at work. Like, I, my life could not be in a better place. Yeah. Do you have, like, any specific examples that 
jump out at you? Like in terms of... Of just like insert prayers or God wings or instances that, you know, you're describing. Yeah, I think just in terms of like the different ways the ministry has worked, like we've seen growth. Like I think my campus minister told me like in order to, like for a ministry to really like be established here and for it to feel like it's really a ministry on this campus, like it usually takes five to six years. And I feel like I've already, and like our goal for the end of spring was to have like two to three small groups with three to four students who are consistently going. And we have like three small groups going and like they're all like, they have at least two consistent students. Like our Tuesday night small group has like five girls who like go to it mm. depending on the week. Of course, finals I think are starting to mess that up. But seeing that growth, sooner than I thought I would because I think I was feeling really discouraged in a lot of ways at the beginning of the semester like man this looks nothing like what other interns Mm. like ministries look like but also like I think it gives you the the very the awareness that like it doesn't depend on you like it depends on God and who God brings to you to like have the opportunity to minister to and in a way I imagine that like having evidence that that is true over and over again maybe takes some of the pressure off yeah and like I think even in my personal life like I prayed for community a lot and I have felt such community since I've been in Ohio between like my campus minister and his family but also the church I've been going to like not only a community that cares about me like I've I, there's so many of the girls I'm like friends with or like women that I'm friends with there who like I get coffee with regularly mm-hmm. and who I talk to regularly and who I care about so much and who I know care about me um, and have expressed, like, support for not only me, but, like, RUF and mm-hmm. have such a heart for it. Um, and, like, I've grown in my prayer life there. Like, they, like, share, like, in prayer time together every other week of, like, just praying aloud, which is really cool. And mm-hmm. such a space in which I feel like I needed to grow. And, like, God has given me the perfect opportunity to grow. And, like, different things in my personal life with, like, people I care about of, like, praying that God would just be with them because I couldn't be with them and then like seeing different things where it's like they took action or something happened that Mm -hmm. I feel like closed the right door that needed to be closed for them in Mm -hmm. order for them to keep moving on and like fundraising like I made it to 85% which is like a hurdle in which it's like if God was not at work like I could have never done that Mm -hmm. and like different ways in which I've just like felt like I think imposter syndrome is something that it's hard to overcome but also like I mean you know like a lot of my struggles in April like things in which I just got a lot of peace and clarity on and like I can do this much and then after that like it's not in my hands anymore mm-hmm. and had the peace to like be able to move to Ohio and then grew a lot after I got to Ohio to be like okay like I'm still a work in progress but like God is continuing to sanctify me like mm-hmm. he still loves me and he's still at work in me and through me Ugh, it's like a big warm hug. I texted my mom this a long time ago, but I was sitting in church. I don't know. I guess it was, I don't know, maybe early. I know it was definitely this year sometime, but I just had this feeling of like God's love for us is like being like in the shallow end of, of the beach and like this huge wave like just rushing in and like picking you up and like lifting you up and loving you so tight and then just like gently letting you back on the floor and like going back out to sea again and I think about that I don't know like how that came to me or like why it was so vivid but it was such like a comforting like strength and hug and like lifting me up but also like that feeling of floating and being fully supported but also like 
having to go with the flow. I don't know. I, that's that's how I picture God's love often. And it sounds like a little bit like what you described. It's like there's only so much you can do. And then after that, you're just waiting for the water to come pick you up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What other question did you have? I think Corey's always been like pretty independent. But like now you're really on your own. You have your own income stream consistently. What is like managing money like that? Has it been different, the same, better, worse, harder, easier? Tell me about it. I think it's felt very similar in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, I think I have to like, I'm trying to think of a way in which it's really different. I pay rent, which is different, but it's Mm -hmm. not like substantial. Like I don't make very much money. Like I make enough money to survive pretty much, but I don't know. I kind of enjoy... I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but having limited resources shows you consistently how to steward your money well. Mm. And, like, having to be cognizant of, like, well, I can't go, like, spend a hundred bucks at TJ Maxx, like, every, like, time I'm not feeling so great. Like, (laughs) I have to, yeah, I feel like I have less, like, flexible income now that I live on my own. Because I had, I made pretty good money when I lived at home. Like, I didn't really have a lot of, like, major bills I had to pay for. Yeah, I think... I'm trying to think of, like, the biggest change there has been in, like, living on my own. I think I have a lot more free time than I'm used to. Like, I'm used to having, like, a very stacked schedule. And, like, there's a certain extent to which it's like, well, I meet with students as much as I can. I go to small groups. I plan for st- – I do my study program and I plan for stuff. But after that, like, what do I do with my free time? And I think I'm still learning how to, like – like, if anything, I have yeah. an abundance of. It is, like, more free time than I'm used to and trying to figure out, like, okay, what is something I t- can develop in that? Because I also don't have, like, the same amount of friends I'm used to where it's like, well, if so-and-so can't hang out, then maybe I can text so-and-so or so-and-so right. or so-and-so. And it's like, <laughs> no, like, you have, like, this list of people and most of them are married and have their own lives. And so, like, how do I – use my time well in a way that it's like I'm not going to look back on and be like man you just sat in bed and watched TikTok every day all day (laughs) while you were in Ohio like that was not the best way to use your time so I think if I have like a harder time balancing anything I'd say it's my time rather than my money yeah Mm. so do you how do you combat that so you mentioned earlier that not every day looks the same and it's hard to like create a consistent schedule because of that. Mm-hmm. So when you find yourself maybe reflecting in a way that maybe you didn't manage your time as well as you would have liked to or whatever, like what have you found any tools or tips and tricks to sort of re you know reroute? Mm, I think I don't have anything like like I don't keep TikTok on my phone because I know like mm-hmm. big time wasters like I don't need on my phone just in general because those things you can slip into and not be very cognizant that you slipped into and then it's like oh man like I could use this time so much better so like my go-to if I am like not like if I don't have a very busy schedule and I feel like I've done a lot of my study program which I feel like you can never do too much study program is either like I'll go for like a walk and listen to a podcast which is getting harder the colder it gets Mm -hmm. but or I'll go on campus and like walk around part of the the internship is we're supposed to like see a counselor like once every three weeks and one of her recommendations was like walking around campus and praying like over Mm. the campus just because like that is never a waste of your time like you're in ministry like prayer is such an important part of that and also like the campus 
because you're ministering to is such an important part of that. And so, like, walking around campus and, like, praying over it and, like, the different people you see and, like, what's going on, like, you don't know, but praying that, like, God is at work in it in some way and either that, not even if, even if you never meet that student, that, like, in some way they come to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so lots of prayer, like, growing in that area of my life is really important. I think slowly trying to build more spiritual disciplines of just, like, yeah, making it rhythms and more routine and, like, learning to pray ceaselessly and things like that. I find that whenever I'm really stressed, I become a lot more judgmental of other people, like, whether it be at the grocery store or on Instagram or a coworker or whatever. I'm just far more quick to judge, and I think I'm also, like, when I get stressed, there's, like, obviously an imbalance, and then I get self-critical of whatever that is, and then I think I start to get harder on myself, and, like, I'm projecting when I'm judging these other people, potentially, and so I guess have you, not that you're the same way, or maybe you are, but have you seen, like, a shift in your perspective of, like, how you just generally interact with people on a different day-to-day basis now versus maybe, like, when you were in Columbus or when you first moved? I think I have, like, more curiosity. Like, I think I have a better understanding of, like, I think what you talked about, like, with Sonder, like, everyone's living their own experience in their own different way and, like, has a different perspective. Like, we can both experience the same exact situation and walk away with different understanding of it and I think I have a better grasp on that of like everyone's living their own experience um and you don't just know it because you were right next to them and so yeah asking better questions and listening better like Mm -hmm. I think listening is such an undervalued skill like I think everyone wants everyone to understand what they're experiencing what they're feeling to the point in which it's like none of us can hear each other because we're not curious enough like we're not asking enough questions Mm -hmm. I love that I think that's a good place to wrap it up thank you so much for taking the time and putting up with our questions I'm so glad to be here always very happy love listening to the podcast oh thanks so we will interview you again after your second semester my second semester so over the summer yes okay and also after you've raised all your money. Oh, man. And Good we times. will put a link in the show notes for everybody to pour into you. Good. I or so. at least find you. Can they sign up for your um, newsletter? They sure can. I have a link in my Instagram bio. Fantastic. Perfect. Follow me, Cordelia Phil. Cordelia, Cordelia Phil, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> or call me. her what you want, like everybody else. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram. Yeah, guess how to pronounce my name. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.